focusing on our vision as a church. We've been doing this for the past couple of weeks. And uh, in order to kind of just help us do that, uh, we're, we've just been just kind of working our way through our vision statement. In fact, why don't we put that up on the screen and uh, let, let's, just, let's just read this out loud together, okay? This is our vision. Let's read this out loud together. To be a church where everyone belongs and can genuinely connect, grow, and serve Jesus and each other. That's our vision. And uh, so far, we've already talked about the importance of belonging. Uh, we've talked last week about growing. And uh, this morning, what I want to do is I want to just focus a little bit on the importance of connecting. Now, when, when we talk about connecting, we're really talking about two things. We're talking about, number one, connecting with God, and then secondly, connecting with each other. Uh, Jesus, in fact, he said that if you don't do anything else, do these two things, love God and love each other. In fact, everything else that Jesus commanded will flow through those two things, loving God uh, and being relationally connected to him and being connected to each other. And, and so for the sake of this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the importance of the second one, that kind of focus on the connecting to each other piece. We, we talk about connecting to God nearly every week, and, and sometimes I think we forget the importance of that second piece of connecting to each other. Uh, and the Bible has a lot to say about that topic. In fact, uh, way more than we have time to dig into this morning. And so for the sake of time, um, I want to just give you three reasons that the Bible says it's important for us to be able to connect relationally with each other. All right? The first one is this is the reality is we were actually created for connection. Did you know that? That we were created for connection. In fact, one of the first things that God said after he created man is he said this. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. Um, without human connection, there is an emptiness that exists within us. This is why um, study after study after study has shown that one of the worst forms of punishment is solitary confinement. Um, some, including myself, consider that to be in, inhumane because the reality is we, we can't survive without that connection. We are created to be connected to other human beings. It's hardwired into us. We need it to survive. In fact, this past week, I, I reached out to uh, Pastor Justin's wife, Abby Alger, who's a counselor, and we, we talk, she always gets nervous whenever I bring her name up for some reason. I'm not sure why, but uh, actually I know exactly why. But um, we, we talked a little bit about this psychological need for connection. And um, she wound up kind of doing some digging and sent me a number of different studies that have been done surrounding the human need for connection. And there was a number of articles in there as well. But in one of the articles from Psychology Today, it talked about how that... Um, Years ago, researchers were trying to figure out why certain orphanages had such high um, mortality rates. And what they discovered was that it all went back to the connection that these babies had, or lack of connection in this case, these babies had with their caregivers. Babies, in fact, who aren't held, hugged, smiled at, communicated with, if that's not done enough, 
scientific research actually has shown that the growth of those babies can not only be impacted, but if they're deprived of human connection long enough, that it can actually cause death. In other words, what they discovered is that each and every human being is neurobiologically hardwired for connection. It's a basic need, just like food and just like water. We need it in order to survive. And what's interesting about this is that what science has discovered uh, relatively recently in the last century or so is actually something that followers of Jesus have known for over 2,000 years. Christians down through history have long understood that God created us to be connected to one another. He created us to live, not alone, but in the context of community, that life was never intended to be lived out alone. And so we were created for connection. The second thing that the Bible teaches us about connection is that connection balances out our lives. What I mean by that is that um, on our own, we all have the tendency to, to kind of gravitate towards extremes. On our own, we don't see things clearly. We need each other. And this is why, you know, we say this all the time around here. We're better together because we actually believe that. We are better together. Because um, people, other people have other perspectives than our own. You only know what you know, Right? There are other, believe it or not, there are other people that know what you don't know. And, and so we need each other. We need, and the more connections that we develop, the more perspective that we have in life. This is why um, in the New Testament, there's this one phrase that shows up over and over and over again. In fact, 58 times in the New Testament alone, the phrase one another appears. We've talked about this before, but over and over again, we're instructed uh, to do things like love one another, care for one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. 58 one another's in the New Testament. This is what is called uh, the, the mutual ministry of the body of Christ to, to itself. And the only way that that happens is when we're connected to each other relationally. The third thing that the Bible teaches about connection is this, is that connections actually give us strength, that they make us stronger. When we're connected to each other, we're actually stronger. In fact, look at what the writer of Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. He says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But he says, pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. He, he goes on in verse 12 and he says, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then he says this famous, famous line, he says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see, whenever you have good, deep connections with other people, it strengthens you in every way, spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. You can handle far more in life when you know you're not alone, right? Many of you have discovered that in your lives. Okay, so according to Scripture, we are, first of all, we're created for connection. Connections with other people, relationships with other people give us balance because we have their perspective. In fact, one of the verses I love is in Acts. Uh, there's a story where um, Peter kind of gets off track a little bit. 
Peter. He's like leading the church. And Paul calls him out on it. Peter is not, he's preaching one thing, but he, he's not eating with Gentile believers and he's trying to hold to the Jewish customs. And Paul has a different perspective that God has given him. And Peter needed Paul. We all need people with other perspectives and then, and then also to give us strength. And, and what's interesting about all of this, though, is that in the day and age that we live in, that because of technology, there's never been a time in history where uh, connections have been more available, where there's been more opportunity for us to connect with each other. And yet, this is what's interesting, is that we live in a day and a, and a time where people feel less connected with each other than any other time in history. I, I think that's interesting. I, I hear this, uh, especially now, with everything that's happened in the world, I hear this more than ever before. And, and, and obvious, we all know that COVID has had a huge impact on all of that. But, but listen, here's the deal. COVID did not create the problem of being disconnected. In fact, I, I think like many other things, what we're experiencing in these days, that what COVID has done is it has uh, magnified and it has accelerated a problem that already existed. You see, the issue of dis disconnection, the issue of isolation, the issue of loneliness have long been growing trends in our society. And again, while COVID certainly has had an impact on that, many believe that what's had a greater impact is actually the thing that has kind of, you know, been given to us that is supposed to solve that. Many, many point to just the rise of social media. And you guys know, like, I'm not anti-social media. I, I participate in it. I just kind of have this love-hate relationship with it. But, but one of the things that we have discovered is that, ironically, while it has been intended to create more connection, what it has done instead is it's helped us to live more disconnected. It's desocialized us rather than socialized us more. And some of you are like, wait a second. You know, when I was a kid, I only had a handful of friends, but now I've got like 3,000. That's the problem. Is what we have done is we have traded depth for numbers. It's kind of, it's kind of like this. You know, it's, it's kind of like the difference between the Hudson River and the Platte River. The Hudson River, you can get a lesson this morning if you know, didn't know this, but the Hudson River is the deepest river in the United States. In fact, I read this past week that there are certain places in the Hudson River that are over 200 feet deep. And, and, and then there's the Platte River. We know that, right? A thousand feet wide and like a few inches deep in certain areas. Listen, here's the deal. You were not created to have Platte River relationships. You were created to have Hudson River relationships. And, and so uh, the, the problem is, is we're less connected. We need to be connected. We're less connected than we've ever been before. And so what is the answer? If, if, it's, if it's one of our inherent needs to be connected to other people, and especially in the church, to be connected to other believers, then, then what is the answer? Well, thankfully, God has provided an answer and he calls it his church. This is the solution. God's answer is the church. 
You see, when the church fully functions, really functions, the way it was intended to function, the way that God created it to, then we'll have the kind of relationships that we were created to have. And for the sake of our conversation this morning, I just want to make this clear. Whenever we talk about the church, and you guys that have been around here for a while, you know this, but when we talk about the church, you understand we're not talking about a place. And we're not talking about an event that we attend. Instead, what we're talking about is when we talk about the church, we're talking about a people. We are the church. You are the church. And so in other words, the church is a group that you belong to rather than simply an event that you attend or a place that you attend. And in order to help us understand this, the Bible gives us a number of um, just kind of metaphors, word pictures uh, as to uh, what the church is intended to look like. And what I want to do this morning is I want to share four of these uh, word pictures that the Bible talks about the church being that I think will help us in terms of being connected with one another if we'll really live these out, okay? And so four images of the church. And, and, here, here, and again, none of this is new stuff. You all have probably heard me talk about this before, and you're going to hear me talk about it again because it's really important. But the first metaphor, the first picture that the Bible gives us of the church is it calls the church a body. The church is like a body. In fact, this is probably the most frequently used word picture in all of the Bible in regards to the church. Over and over through Scripture, we see this referred to again where together we are like the body of Christ. In fact, let me just show you a couple of different scriptures. Uh, Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 says this. Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it. And it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have a different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each of us needs all of the others. Now now look at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says this. He says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He, God, makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. There's just a couple of things from these two verses. First of all, they both remind us that the body, the church, consists of different parts. We're not all the same part. In other words, different is good. Some of you need to understand that. Different is good. In fact, Look at your neighbor and say, you're different. different. And that's good. It's good that you're different. God loves diversity. When God created you, he created you to be uniquely you. Ain't nobody else like you. He made you unique. You're an original. When God made you, he broke the mold. I love the fact that God loves diversity. I mean, listen, think about this. If God wanted to, he could have made all of you like me. How horrible would that be? How boring would that be? No, God 
loves diversity. God loves every color. He loves every shape. He loves every background. He loves every language. And here's the, here's the deal. If that is true of God, then it ought to be true of his church. In fact, one of the dreams that I have for our church is I just want it to look like heaven's going to look like. Wouldn't that be awesome? If, it was just rep- if we had the representation of what heaven's going to be like. I-, I just want it to look like heaven's going to look like. And what we need to understand is not everybody's going to look like you in heaven. Not everybody's going to talk like you in heaven. Not everybody's going to act like you in heaven. So one of my dreams is, I, I just, and I think this is what we're called to do, we, we, we talk about the, when we do the kingdom experiment, we'll jump back into this, but the whole, that whole idea is part of what we're called to do is to bring heaven down on earth, make earth look like heaven is supposed to look like. And so that's one of my dreams, and this is the awesome thing about the kingdom. You don't have to look like me. You don't have to talk like me. You don't have to think like me to be connected to me. <laughs> we can still be connected to each other. And so the church consists of many parts. The second thing is this. Every part is needed. Every part's important. Paul says it takes every single part to make the body complete. And so guess what that means? Our church needs you. We need you. The rest of us need you. We need you because every part of the body is important. And when, when you're missing a part or when a part is not functioning correctly, the way it's designed to function, or when one part would rather be a, another part. You know, I don't want to be the part that I am. I want to be another part. Guess what happens? The entire body is impacted by it. And, and so if there, there are things that, you know, you don't like about the way this particular church is functioning... Um, If there's a ministry that's not happening, that you think ought to be happening, maybe it's because you're not doing it. I mean, maybe if God laid it on your heart, he laid it on your heart for a reason. I I mean, a lot of times people will come up to me and they'll say, you know, hey, I was wondering about so and so. Do you know how they're doing? I haven't seen them for a while. And, and inside, I, I just want to say, have you called them? I mean, it doesn't all come through me. <laughs> and God lays stuff on our hearts individually because he's trying to invite us in to the mission collectively that he's doing through the life of the church. And so he designed us to do different roles, to play different roles. He, he's designed some of us to be teachers and some of us to be preachers and others he's given the gift of hospitality and some of us he's he's gifted with the gift of administration some of you have skills to take care of the the physical building listen we need you your church needs you some of you have great tech skills we need you And, and listen Well, there may be certain parts of the body that are more visible than others. The Bible talks about this. Here's the deal. There's not one part of the body that's more important than the other part. It's like a, 
It's like, I don't know how many of you enjoy doing jigsaw puzzles. In the wintertime when it's cold out, especially around Christmas, we've always had the tradition in our family growing up that we do jigsaw puzzles. And um, I did one here a few weeks ago, and I got it done only to discover there was one piece missing. Those of you who do jigsaw puzzles, you know how that feels. There's like this feeling of being incomplete that cannot be satisfied. This is the way it is in the church. When, when, when there's a, a jigsaw puzzle and there's a missing piece, the focus is on the missing piece. I need that piece. And we need it in the church as well. The second uh, metaphor that the Bible uses when it talks about the church is it calls the church a building. The church is like a body. The church is like a building. Now, this one seems on the surface to kind of go against everything that I just talked about a minute ago, that the church is a people. It's not a building. A lot of people, times we struggle with that because we tend to think that the church is a building. Again, this, what, what it says here is not that the church is a building. It says it's like a building. It's like a building. I want you to look at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. This is Paul again, and he says this. He says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you together, collectively. The Spirit of God, isn't in just, the Spirit of God is not just in me. The Spirit of God is in you together. Jump over to Ephesians chapter 2. Paul, again, says this. He says, we who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And in Christ, you are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Now, I don't know if you noticed or not, but in these three short verses, there is um, one word that is repeated three times and in, in uh, the, the verse in in first Corinthians and then the two in Ephesians repeated three times and the word is this together three times Paul is very clear that following Jesus is something that is intended to be done together not alone it's meant to be done together along with a community of believers Paul says, you together are God's temple. Can't be a temple alone. In fact, alone, you're not a temple. You're a brick alone. Together, all the bricks are being built into a temple. I was thinking about this and... I've got a little bit of construction experience in my background. When I was young, I worked for a couple of construction companies. And then for a number of years, I, I ran roofing crews. And, and there are a few things that I learned from that experience that I think apply to the church. First of all, I learned that you can't build anything with just one part. In other words, you can't build a wall with nothing but two-by-fours. You've you got to have nails, you got to have sheetrock. you got to have tape. you got to have mud. In other words, if all you have is one part, you're not going to be successful at building anything. Two-by-fours alone don't make a wall. They make a pile of kindling. You need more than one part. The second thing is this, is a part is useless 
unless it's connect, connected to other parts. In, in other words, um, two by fours together connected will build a wall. Again, unconnected, pile of kindling. And, and then thirdly, and this is an important one, is that a part can be inside the house and still not be a part of the house. A few months ago, I, I started a remodeling project on one of our bathrooms. And yeah, I said a few months ago. <laughs> Laura said like several months ago. And, uh, and the reason it's taken so long is because I got to be motivated to do it, you know. And so, and I'm not very often, to be honest with you. But anyway, so this project has been going on for, for some time. And uh, I, I took and, and it started, and, and some of you will understand this, we have projects at your house. It started because there was a stain on the ceiling of the bathroom below it. And that stain on the ceiling turned into a full-blown bathroom remodel project somehow. I'm not sure how that happened. But I replaced the, the shower pan that is upstairs. I retiled the whole thing. Um, I put new shower doors in, new fixtures in. Um, I'm putting in a new vanity and putting in new tile on the floor. I mean, just totally redoing the whole thing. And um, if, if you were to come over to our house in that process... And, and you would have looked at my project. You, you may have found, like down in the garage, a, a pile of tile. And, and you may, might have found, like, the glass doors leaning against the, the, the wall in the hallway. Um, you might have found the fixtures in a box sitting over in the corner. In other words, they were all in the house, but they were not a part of the house. They did not help me take a shower. They did not function well as a bathroom. In other words, they were there, but they were serving absolutely no purpose other than they were there. Unfortunately, here's the sad reality. That's the way a lot of people treat the church. They come to the house but they don't take any steps to be a part of the house. They're, they're, they're not actually living out their intended purpose in order to strengthen the house. And the Bible says that together we are created and intended to be a part of the house. We're being built into a temple. Okay, so, the, 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 so being connected to the local church does something for us. When we're connected to the church, what it does is it provides the opportunity for us to use the God-given talents, passions, and abilities that he's placed inside of each one of us. Remember, we're unique. Not everybody possesses what you possess. And in the church, we have the ability. God has given us the opportunity to employ those and to live out our intended purpose. The third image that the Bible gives us is the church is not only like a body, it's not only like a building, but it also says it's kind of like a plant. In fact, there are some places where the Bible talks about this and, and it, it calls the church, it's like a tree. There are other places where it's called a grapevine. 
But the idea is the same, and that is that the church is a living organism that is connected together through Christ. I want you to look at what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says this. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you stay connected to me, and I am connected to you, you will do what we talked about last week. You'll bear much fruit. He says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is connected, you produce something in your life. Your life produces something. You bear fruit, but disconnected, you can't do anything. In other words, what he's saying here is that connections empower us. They empower us to be who we were created to be. And the reality is this is true in every area of life. I mean, think about this. A disconnected heater doesn't do what it's designed to do. When it's not plugged in, it produces no heat. A a, um, disconnected phone does not do what it was created to do, to provide communication. A, a, A disconnected TV produces no entertainment. In order for all of those things to produce what they were created to produce, they have to be connected to the source of power, right? Come on, the same is true for you and me. If you're disconnected, if you're disconnected, first of all, from God, but also if you're disconnected from the body of Christ, and I would propose that those two go hand in hand, your life will never produce the fruit that God intended for your life to produce. Jesus says this in John 15, 4. He says, a branch cannot produce any fruit by itself. It has to stay attached to the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce any fruit unless you live in me. Connections make us productive. If you have good relationships, you'll have a productive life. If you have weak relationships, you'll have a weak life. The fourth image that Jesus or the Bible gives us calls the church, says the church is like a family. One of the things that belonging to a community of faith does is that it tangibly connects us to the family of God, which is something that we can't get anywhere else. I mean, here's here's the reality. You can't get connected to God's family at your business. You're, You're not connected to God's family through your kids' sports teams. And you certainly don't get connected to God's family home alone. When you, when you really get to ne- connected, I mean, lock, stock, and barrel, what happens is, is you actually become connected to the greater family of God. This is one of the things that I love about our church. For those of you who may not know, um, Connecting Point Church is part of the Church of the Nazarene. And one of the things about the Church of the Nazarene is that it is only one of a handful of churches that is truly a global church. And what I mean by that is we're one of only a few churches that actually have congregations in every world area. In fact, the Church of the Nazarene, we have over 30,000 congregations in somewhere around 170 world regions. And here's the deal. Because we're part of this global family, when when you do things like give financially... Some of where your money goes is 
beyond just supporting the local congregation here. Some of that money, when we take an offering, goes to support other churches all around the world. And so what I'm saying by that is that by being connected to the local family, you may not even have realized it, but you're actually connected and supporting brothers and sisters in places like the Philippines, in places like Romania and Rwanda. In other words, your connections here provide a greater connection to the global family of God. So you may not even have known that before today. But, but you have literally thousands of brothers and sisters in Christ that you're connected to simply because you're connected here. Listen, this idea of family is so important. In fact, it's so important I would say this, that a Christian without a church family is living like an orphan. Paul says this in 1 Timothy. He says, I want you to know. Now, Timothy is somebody that Paul is instructing this is how you, you not only live your life, but this is how you lead others to live your life, their lives. And so he says, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Paul is saying these words. He's teaching this to Timothy who elsewhere Paul calls his son. Now, he's not his biological son. Paul's just kind of adopted him as his spiritual son. In other words, Paul takes this idea of being a spiritual family, being part of the family of God, seriously. And so he takes Timothy on as his spiritual son, and he tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, you need to understand, and you need to help other people understand that you, in coming to know Jesus, you have been adopted into a family, the family of God. And this is how people in the family are expected to live. In other words, we have to understand this, in every family, there are some expectations that go along with being a part of the family, right? Everybody has a role to play. Everyone in the family is expected to contribute to the family in some way. A couple of days ago, I, I, uh, I called Jerome Barry. And uh, Jerome, for those of you who may not know, Jerome is uh, on our leadership team. And I had something that I wanted to run by him, and so I called him. And uh, when he answered the phone, I asked him, I said, what are you doing? And he said, uh, I, think, I think he said, I'm doing laundry and mopping the floors. I think that's what he said. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you are making it hard for every other husband on the planet right now. Uh, but, but Jerome said, he said, you know, I, he, he's recently retired. And he said, since I retired, I made the vow that Chelsea will never have to clean another floor as long as I'm around. At least that's the way I remember him saying it. So if you didn't say it that way, you're on the hook now because she heard it. He said, he said you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, she's not going to clean another floor. He, he did say, he said, I don't do any of the cooking or clean any of the bathrooms. He did say that. Um, I, I, I told, what's interesting, I do most of the cooking at our house. And I'm, I don't worry about doing bathrooms. Laura won't let me touch laundry. But this is the way it is in families, right? 
We, we develop these roles and responsibilities within the confines of the family. And not everybody, just because you're um, a husband or a wife or a child or whatever, it, it, you, not everybody does the same. We do different things because we're wired differently, right? We're created differently. But the bottom line is that this is the way that families are intended to operate. We, we kind of develop these roles and these, we share in the responsibilities in the home and we contribute to the family. Guess what? I'm pretty sure that when Paul talks about the church being like the family of God, he's talking about the same thing. Collectively, the way the church is intended to operate is we all bring our individual talents and passions and resources and we combine them together. We contribute in order to ensure that the home is cared for and that the family functions. And in our case, that the family grows. You see, when you were created... God created you with this innate need to connect. First, to be connected with him, and secondly, to be connected to his family. Why? Because of this, the number one command that God gives to anyone who becomes part of God's family is this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Love your brothers and sisters in God's family. Love. You can't love people you're disconnected to. One last passage of scripture and then we're going to be done. And this is the Apostle Paul talking. and He talks about two different kinds of commitments that, were expected, that are expected for every single person who gives their lives to Jesus. We're going to come full circle here. He says this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. These are the people who, had, who, who, who are trying to learn what it is to, to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus. He says, first of all, they gave themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves to, them, to him. And then he says, by God's will, it's God's desire, it's what God wants, they gave themselves to us as well. You see, for anyone who calls themselves a Christian, Paul lays out two very important commitments that he says must be made. First, he says, you become a Christian by giving yourself to Christ. And then the natural next step is you become a church member by connecting and committing yourself to a group of people. By saying, this is going to be my spiritual home. I'm going to commit myself to a group of people. I'm going to lock arms with a group of Christ followers, and I'm going to say, let's do this thing together. He says, first, they gave themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves to the Lord. I'm going to invite the band to come. And as they're coming, I want to invite you, if you've never done that before, today's your day. No better time than the present. Give yourself to the Lord. And then he said, by God's will, in other words, this is God's will for anyone who makes that first commitment. He says, by God's will, they committed themselves to us as well. So this is, this is what I, I want you to know this morning. It's what I want you to understand. This is the bottom line. Sometimes we go through life and we wonder, you know, we wrestle with, what is God's will for my life? I mean, what, what is God's will for me? Can I just tell you this morning that these are two areas we don't have to wonder what God's will is? Because he says it very clearly. Commit yourself 
to Christ. Commit yourself to a body of believers. In fact, if you're here this morning, whether you're in person or whether you're joining us online, and you've never made that commitment to Jesus, I want to invite you to do it now. Just give your life to Jesus. To invite him to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. In fact, every head bowed and every eye closed. And in the quietness of your heart, I want to invite you just to pray something like this. Jesus, I need you. I I want you. And so I'm asking you this morning to forgive me of my sin. I want to make you the Lord of my life, the leader of my life. And so would you forgive me? And would you show me what it looks like to follow you? I give my life to you this morning. Amen.